Um, so far it's great. It's really helped me become uh, more self-reflective on the things that I've started doing and the things that I want to do in my classroom more often. Um, and it's also given me insight on how not alone I really am. Have you ever um, seen this many teachers of color in one place? No. no. <laughs> me neither. It's been and, 20 years yeah. for me either. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's a lot. Yeah, and I think back to like our, um, our whole school meetings where it's yeah. all the teachers yeah. and, and I always feel alone and yep. separated and that I can't con truly connect with these people because it's just not the same. And, it's not. It's not. Um, it's true. Yeah, and even though our school is pretty progressive and pretty forward-moving, um, we um, we have work to do, and and I think a lot of times for the teachers who are already on that path, it's hard to accept that there is still a lot of work to do. That's and right. That their experiences are never going to be the same yeah. as any of ours, and um, which is okay. You know, we all come from different walks of life, yep. and and that's perfect, and that's how it should be, and we need to. To I guess continue yeah, in these paths and sure. start linking up together, and I think this conference has really helped me see. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's kind of nice to be somewhere where you don't have to explain your views to people, like a lot of people are. Here in a minute, but. Kevy Kev wasn't there. I was not there. I I, I had to stick back. Yeah. I, I felt like I have some other things that are going to call me out of the building next week. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yep. unfortunately, I couldn't be there. My goal is to be there next year. They all wanted you there. Like I think mostly they wanted to talk to you. They're kind of like, I think so. They're like, where's um? Wait, Kev Kevin Adams? Isn't there a Kevin Adams on this podcast? And I was like, nah, nah, nah. He didn't show up. I don't know where he is. No, so so I, I think I think I think you're the I think you're the famous one, like because no, they want to hear don't from put you. That pressure on me. No, 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 no. It's better for you to have it than me, right? I'll stop. We had so it was it was a lot of fun, and and like I said, uh, shout out to the University of Colorado uh, uh, College of Education uh, for putting this on. They've been putting this on since 2003, and oh, that's um, dope. Yeah, and I went to the first one. Um, I wish I had known about that yeah. in my early teaching well, the, and they will be, they'll, be, they'll be the first ones to tell you that their messaging hasn't always been consistent and they haven't always been able to get connected to people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But from what I understand... The, the, well, this, you're telling me people of color have busy stuff going on in their lives and <laughs> teachers of color right. have even more busy stuff in their life. And it's hard to get the word out. It's hard to get the word out, and it's hard. Like, who, who are you going to talk to about this? Well, it's like, in 2003. I, that's before Twitter. Yeah. That's before all that yep. social media. So yep. I feel like you can... No, no, no. Uh, MySpace was a thing. MySpace. I didn't have a MySpace. I didn't have a MySpace no. either. Um, <laughs> yo, hey, hit us up with your, with with your, your MySpace, MySpace stories. Like, stories, because there's some funny stuff. Some people <laughs> our age... Like going back to their MySpace and finding things that they like posted. <laughs> like, what is this? Um, but yeah, you know, so so it's a it's a wonderful tradition that's been going on for a long time. Uh, Wajma and Krishna both reached out to us a few weeks ago to try to amplify the event, and you know, it was great. We have more Denver teachers up there than I think there's ever been before. That's good. Um, met met some just gangster like people. Ah, it, it was pretty amazing good. to be up there. That's what I love about conferences like that is is just the meeting the other people. It's almost secondary to some of 
of the sessions, you yeah. know, because sometimes the sessions are hit or miss. Yeah. But I think it's the people that you meet that yeah. really stick with you and there, kind of move you. So there's a couple of ways in which this was definitely a Teachers of Color conference. Yes. First of all, sessions start and half the people are still in the hall, like chopping it up, right? <laughs> so it's like, and then you could see the coordinators like feeling kind of bad about kind of moving us along. Yeah. Um, but they're kind of like, so, you know, the se- sessions have started. Yeah. So, yeah, so come on And in. then we would have, then a session would end and then there was like a break and then there was another break and then we went back into session it, it was great um, now i will say that within about five ten minutes yeah. of the session starting the halls were clear yeah. and everybody yeah, was, everybody like was there. but i'm be. glad they weren't doing hall sweeps man that's good like because because uh, that'd be a problem uh for adult people of color speaking of which i heard a great analogy from a student uh-oh this student was doing some high level thinking yeah the student out in the hallway yeah but it reminds me of like hall sweeps so what he said is it an analogy, metaphor? It's very figurative thought. We thinking, teach social studies. Right? Obviously, we don't yes. know anything about. So this. y'all get at us. Let me know what this is. Yeah, so is it an analogy, a metaphor, a simile? I'm walking down the hallway, and he says, "Mister," stops me, and he says, "You know what? I was thinking." And he said, "The hallway's the block." And I was like, <laughs> yes, "Yes, go on." Okay. The hallway's the block, and he's like, "What do you say? What do you say?" Um, he said, "The bathrooms are the trap." <laughs> The bathrooms of the trap. <laughs> like okay. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Actually. He said. He said. True. He said, "Miss our security guard, she's a cop. <laughs> she's the police." He said the teachers are the ops. <laughs> the teachers are the ops. <laughs> We're the ops. Got the cop. And the I, ops. I, he was going through it, it, it. It just hit me. It was like, wow. You right though. This is how he's right, interpreting though. it all. He's like, in the hallway, it's the block. Yeah. Bathroom is the trap. That's what yep. we do. Get into stuff. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. He said, I forgot what he said the classroom was, but it reminded you like hall sweeps because we see that happening. And that's always, that's the default thing. Like we get mad because kids are like late to class. And so then we, we got to do hall sweep. But now. is a hall sweep like stop and frisk? I mean, I mean, what's the difference? It's de- well, it's, are we setting our kids up to be ready to, to be like, hey, someone stop you. You got to show. You got to show and prove. That's deep. I don't feel like I'm allowed to disagree with that. I mean, I don't know because no, we I don't know either. But have pa- well, so, yeah, so we think about this idea, this, uh, this. Well, yeah, with a, so with a hall pass for sure. Yeah. It's like, sh- show me your credentials. Show me your. What do you got? Show yeah. me. Show me. Yeah. Me in this hallway. Yeah, and like when you think of like worrying ways that systemically, um, in, like incarceration practices have increasingly found their ways into quote unquote urban schools, yes. quote unquote inner city schools. Yes. That that we think that. We think that everything has a law enforcement solution to it, right? So like hall sweeps, if you're late to class, we're going to round you up, stick you in a room, and not let you go to class. And we have uh, zero tolerance for tardies, right? Zero tolerance. Zero tolerance. Oh, we're talking for- a lot about zero tolerance these days. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when that migrant caravan arrives at the border. As, uh, uh, that will be interesting. You know, definitely sending good energy out to anybody who has family or anybody connected to that that event yes. but i think you're right i think like the the more we and this was something that like came up at the conference yeah, yesterday yes, yes um there was a group of students from project voice yeah shout out to shout project, out to voice. project voice. voice y'all are amazing and i told y'all you we were going to talk about you so you better be listening yes um so project voice talked a little bit about dress codes and the criminalization of youth through uh dress code practices i gotta shout out these kids man they were like they they look nervous about talking to a room full of teachers i'm sure um and and it's interesting because i feel like teachers of color Often, like I, I feel like we form our own kind of political uh, demographic. That's the PA. That's how you can tell we're really in school. We're really in school. We really out. We school. out here in the field. We out here. <laughs> Did we mention that we out here 
In the field. We out here. <laughs> um, in the field. Um, but, like, you know, teachers of color can be a little interesting because I think, on the one hand, we are contending with this oppressive institution That's that has right. marginalized us for generations. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, a lot of us grew up with a heavy-handed approach to things. And so the same te- the same individual, same educator that's calling out structural racism and zero-tolerance policies is also advocating for harsher treatment and saying, no, kid turns something in late, it's a it's zero. zero. That kid doesn't come to school, they kicked out. Right. And so I think it's interesting because that was one thing that really occurred to me is that teachers of color are not monolithic. Like we don't all think the same. Uh, one one clip you're going to hear is from our from our boy, Mikey, yes. who talks about like, you know, his his desire not only to be around teachers of color, but decolonial teachers of color, like yes. folks who are thinking in a post-colonial mindset, um, because just like the teaching force at large, we come from lots of political and social and cultural strife. That's right. I think we have to like be willing to interrogate ourselves and our own biases yeah. because, you know, a lot of the times we, for whatever reason, we made it because we internalized uh, the behaviors of the dominant culture. Yeah. Right. And so I think that uh, we have to kind of find a way to break out of those kind of molds. Yeah. And so that is the challenging thing because like we have things and I feel like it happens to myself where I'm like, well, if I do this, what will they think? Yeah. Will I get fired? How yeah. will they see me differently? You know, and will I have the same kind of credibility and will this offend somebody? You know, and I think as we kind of think about what it takes to help liberate kids, we have to move beyond that. Yeah. And I think question some of those things that for some of us, we're like a sense of comfort, right? Yeah. I was like, you know, I get called on and I can answer and speak mm-hmm. in this way. That was something that I took pride in, but I didn't understand that I was kind of really putting myself in a position where I was just kind of replicating these oppressive structures yeah. and not being my true self, yeah. you know? And I think we have to find that balance. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's always the struggle yeah. for the teacher of color. It's like that position of of being in both worlds it's yeah. like straddling it's like how do i make sure that i'm true to my culture my community yeah. my students who are like me yep while also uh maintaining like a professional kind of <coughs> thing and i think what we have to really do going back to our conversations about professionalism is equated with yeah. whiteness yeah is that like no professionalism yeah. is equated with uh being thoughtful Knowing what you're talking about. It's just about. like doing your job. Doing your job. Working <laughs> you know? hard. Right? And to me, kind of trying to make sure that all of my students are successful. Yeah. And that they have the things that they need and that they can be their authentic self, to me, is as professional yeah. as I can get. Well, and I think, uh, yeah. And one thing that um, I found myself discussing with uh, my boy Carlos, uh, you'll hear from Carlos yes. in a little bit. Um, but one thing I found myself like talking about is how like regardless of what our current political stripes are and like how we approach this work um we are here because to some extent we experience success within an educational institution now obviously we have some amazing stories we we have a mutual friend who dropped out of high school um became a teen parent and then ended up coming back to teaching as one of the most dynamic and powerful teachers and leaders that we both know. Yep. Um, so there are those narratives, but for the most part, we 
teach in school because we were good at school. We were successful in school, whether that meant teachers liked us yep. or we got the grades yep. or we felt at home at school. Mm-hmm. For some, for, for a lot of us, like we were successful and so we're here. And so what that sort of indicates is that we are colonized, yep. right? Like to, to, to a real extent, we're mm-hmm. colonized people. And so when we think about this decolonial like approach to pedagogy, I think I think that's what we have to always keep in mind that when we're working with kids, it's like a lot of them have not developed the colonized mindset and um, or they've worked in active resistance yes. to a colonized mindset. Which is easy when you're young. I think that the colonized mindset sets in when you start to go out into the real world mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, you got to get a job. Yep. Oh, I got to get into college. Yep. And so we have to start to do things. I guess I got to make money to, now. To really kind of uh, let the colonizers accept us. Yeah, right? exactly. So, yeah, so I, I thought that I'd go through some highlights yes, of that's the conference. What I was just about to we, ask we won't, yeah, we won't go through all of it and I won't mess up the recording device this time. Y'all yes. probably didn't even notice. They did it. Because it's seamless what we it's do seamless. here. It's seamless. It's, it's beautiful. Seamless. So, a couple of things that, that kind of, so first of all, there's some great quotes. Um, uh, Jose Luis Wilson was the uh, keynote speaker. Yes. Uh, shout out to uh, Jose O Lantern on Twitter. Nice. Um, he. You know what's amazing to me? What's kind of cool? And I was talking to um, to to Wajma and to uh, Krishna about this. There's been a move at the Teachers of Color Summit to um, go away from bringing academics, mm-hmm. professors, yes. and that kind of thing. Yes. Uh, which I, I actually enjoyed because the first year it was Gloria Latson billings Yes. Uh, who makes a case for culturally relevant pedagogy. Um, then it was Raylan Rabaka yeah. who teaches hip-hop studies at CU. Yes. He, a self-proclaimed long-haired leaping gnome. Yes. Dreadlocks to his knees. He's, <laughs> he's dope. I wish he listened, but I don't know if he does. Um Shout of course out. he does. Shout out to Raylan. You gotta start listening. Um, and then Kathy Escamilla talked about biliteracy before it was like kind of the the what's that French phrase? Cause celebre. Yes. I, I know I said that wrong. Don't <laughs> at me, French speakers. Um, of of like public schools. Um, but what they've tried to do is actually move away from academics and move towards practitioners who are doing this work. So uh, Mr. Wilson is a math teacher in New York. Wow. And so, and he's, and now he's done a lot more than me and you have. But he's, uh, in, he's in New York. He's in New which York. Which is the heart of like reform and, yeah. and all of this movement. Yep. We, I feel like we, Ground zero, in our district, like, we are very impacted by what they do in New York. That's it's, right. It's, Di- disengage New, I mean, engage oh, New York. Wow. Oh, my bad, my bad. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but uh, Mr. Wilson, like he's an Afro-Dominican yes. who identifies as black and Latinx and, and he was dope. So here's a couple of things that he uh, said. He talked about, um, so somebody, one of the teachers asked about speaking up when you're the only teacher of color in the room mm-hmm. because he, because she was concerned about people's perceptions of her as the angry teacher and all that kind yes. of stuff. And he says, they're going to think that about you, whether you speak up or not. You be quiet. You still going to be the They're still going to think that. Woman, so, I mean, that kind angry of, black man, yep. angry Latino man. Yeah. Angry whatever I am. Because yes. that's like always a second conversation. What are you? People are like, what are you anyway? What are you? Um, <laughs> and, and you know what I do sometimes? Sometimes I'm like. You know what? I ask myself that question all the time. What am I? How did you know? Let's I'm talk. having an existential let's, crisis let's right talk. now. Let's, let's talk. What, what am, am I? I? Like, what does it mean to be human? Oh, that's not what you meant? Anyway, oh. <laughs> another thing he said, and this, this I think was really powerful, and this is something that I will say to every single group of people that I talk to in the future about culturally relevant pedagogy. Yes. He says, we already have culturally relevant pedagogy. Um... It's like 
the question is, what culture are we currently responding to? to. Like, so right. culturally responsive teaching, but what culture is it that we're responding, responding to? to? He also talked about being in the airport and having his stuff searched, and they found all these books, and they were looking at him suspiciously, like, Why you got with books? all these books? Why and you he, got books? And he's like, yeah, they found my weapons of mass instruction. That's right. <laughs> That's right. He's like, I, I got plans. I'm, I'm, I'm a... A revolutionary. Yeah. And then the big thing, um, the one that I'm walking away with, like, totally, he talks about diversity. And he says that there's a lot of teachers, and it's not limited to white teachers, a lot of us teachers of color, who teach in diverse, like, uh, areas. Yep. And as if that's kind of the goal, to, to teach in a diverse, like, context. And he said that diversity is a good start, but it's only the gateway drug. It's the gateway drug. Diversity is the gateway drug to true <laughs> inclusion. And I, I think that's really true. Like when, when you're as privileged as we are to teach in a diverse <laughs> context, like we now have the opportunity to practice inclusion. Like when I was teaching at an alternative school that was 50% black and 50% brown, there was only a certain level of inclusion that we could achieve mm -hmm. because like we could be inclusive with each other, yeah. but when we got out into these uh, white dominated areas and spaces- You were still black and brown. Kids. Exactly, there wasn't inclusion, but here at this school where we work at, and a lot of schools y'all work at, um, there is an opportunity for inclusion, but inclusion does not come automatically with diversity. I think that's important because like we assume, like we have all the time, like we have teachers who are like, oh, I, I celebrate diversity all the time. I'll look at all my students, they're so diverse and so different. But the reality is, is I think going to the next step and what Wilson I think is saying is that next step is doing something about it, right? So it's not good enough just to be like, oh, we're diverse. Yeah. But how do we, uh, and not just to say we celebrate diversity, but how do we embrace that diversity that the kids bring and 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 let them shine yeah. as who they are with the with the strengths that they brought with them from home that they've gotten from their families and do we respect and and I think acknowledge that that is just as valid um, sources of knowledge Absolutely. as anything that we're giving and maybe in some cases more valid more valid yeah for sure I can't count how many kids have come in that I know I have a student a sixth grader right now who. Um, is uh, comes from an African family, uh, I believe Ethiopian, mm -hmm. and he can tell me so much about Black history <laughs> and dope. about that's his dope. culture, yeah. his and 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 about Latino history because I think at home they're having these. You got to introduce me to this child. Yeah, you got to check is, him out. He's your advisor. Very cool. Very oh, cool. Oh man, kid. we got to meet that cool child. Sixth graders. Yeah, get to know him. They come. Yeah, they come. Yeah, they come. Good. But, but I think it goes to that point: is that you know. I think our colonized mindset says school has to look this way, yeah. and students have to behave this way, and a learner has way. to be this way, and a, and a teacher has to be this way. Absolutely, and and I think you know when we say that, that totally decreases the inclusivity. Yeah, because it is inherently exclusive, right? Yeah, I'm the teacher. I know. Yep. So that's a way you can possibly teach us anything. And I love when kids want to add more or go beyond even what I am talking about yeah. or even have knowledge of, you yeah. know? Yeah. I think that's the beauty of it all. Yeah, for sure. And so that was kind of the vibe of like so he set the he set the tone really nicely with this kind of, with these intro introductory comments. Um, he's funny, he code switches, like it, it was really uh, beautiful. But what was great is I saw him throughout the day also attending some of these yes, sessions and then yes. he and our friend uh, Julia Torres oh, shout uh, out. from our sister school shout out. Um, they run a wonderful organization called Educolor yes and um, so you can find them on Twitter at Educolor and use the hashtag 
um, Educolor for they do. I didn't realize they do this, so they'll do a chat tonight, which most of you probably won't hear this tonight. Yes. But they they do a Twitter chat around like issues uh, around around equity as they kind of like view them. Um, but but that was always that was a vibe. It's like you know who are we and, and where where is our voice really valuable? But it's interesting because as I think about it, and I, f- I feel like you and I get caught in this on the podcast all the time. Mm-hmm. So we start talking about experiences of teachers of color, but where we ultimately end up is talking about issues of equity as they kind of relate to our kids because yep. we know that that piece is so prevalent in our professional experience, not just in the sense that somebody's wagging their finger at us, you know, holding our SPF over our heads yes. and telling us um, and telling us about equity, but also because for me equity comes to life in my life experiences and i gotta tell you man i had two experiences this week that were like crazy i don't think i've like explained these to you so um i also coach our school's uh 5280 challenge team yes uh really really dope like idea of a competition in which young people identify justice issues and address those justice issues um and, it, and our team is dynamic. It's a really cool crew. Um, all the kids all over the district, like super woke. Yes. Um, it, I hate using that word, but I'm going to use it anyway because <laughs> they are. like. Um, and so uh, we had our coaches meeting this week um, at Manual High School. Yes. Right? Your, your alma mater. My alma mater. Yes. Um, and it occurred to me as I walked up and I took pictures and uh, Solicia Lopez, who runs 5280, was like making fun of me because she's kind of like, you look like a tourist like coming up here taking pictures. Because I took pic- pictures of the South Steps and I took pictures of the little like, um, this little circle of benches yep, and, then, and yep, then the yep. iconic M. You yes, know what I'm talking I about. know everything. Um, and then the Thunderdome, which wasn't built until yes. the year after yes. I graduated. Yes, they were waiting for you to leave. Yeah, they were. They're like, that kid's, that kid's going to trash <laughs> this place. You go. <laughs> He's like, you get come back here. and see what we did. But I realized that that school was, was where I felt inequity for the first time in my life. And whether it was me, and I'm still friends with a lot of these folks, but whether it was me fighting for a space uh, in the white community Mm -hmm. at the school Mm -hmm. um, and and trying to be heard and respected and loved by by that community, or whether it was watching my dark-skinned brothers and sisters fall off gradually over the course of years. And just be allowed to. And And just... Yeah. And like, I mean, there were 40 young black men in my freshman class, and there were six when we graduated. And what the school always told us is like, well, you know, some people transferred, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm sure that's probably yes, true. Yeah. Um, but like that, that was a real statistic. And so like a lot of people go to their alma mater and they're like, yeah, alma mater, homecoming, all that kind of stuff. And I, and I found myself really sad and on edge for a lot of the time that I was there. I saw, I saw the, the portrait of Miss Transu sitting up there because yep. she was my principal yep. when we yep. were there. Um, no, it's funny that you say that because I went to a very different school. Oh, my God, school. yeah. Very oh, different. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, my attitude is I, I have never gone to the high school reunions. Yeah. You know, I keep in touch with a very small group of people who I went to school with. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, it, it was just like I didn't realize how uh, much – inequity I was facing and experiencing and and I think my mom in the back of her mind she really realized it and understood being a woman um, who came from 
Georgia and had to fight for everything, you know. Yeah. And I didn't always recognize the value of it. And I think I was probably in that resistance mindset yeah. because I was like, I couldn't put my finger on why I didn't like it. Yeah. I just knew I didn't like it. Yeah. Like today, looking back, I was like, oh yeah, there was only 11 black kids in a school of black Falcons. Six, 1,600 black Falcons. You have 1,600 <laughs> kids, yeah. right? So of course that, that was like the roots of it, right? And I found yeah. my little friend group and, and like, I y'all had, y'all had to be friends. Y'all had to be friends. Right? You didn't have a choice. Y'all no, had to be friends. Was, like, we knew all. You knew all the yeah. black people. Yeah. Uh, the adopted black kids <laughs> and the, the, the black kids who were raised by black parents. The immigrant the, black kids. The black <laughs> like, didn't even kids. matter. Anybody, we, speak, no, we didn't have no immigrant black kids. Oh no, immigrant then. black not, kids not, in Highlands Ranch. Oh, that's not then. There's a lot of immigrants out there, and they're feeling some kind of way out there about all the immigrants. But yeah, no, and that was like my college experience, you know, which which then so there's a segue right yeah so i drive up to boulder yes and um i went to cu boulder graduated in 99 uh which was a really long time ago yes um put myself on blast (laughs) there might have taken me a little bit longer than some people um but what i experienced was this kind of like and i I don't mean to minimize what this condition truly is Mm -hmm. but it it was like a PTSD experience where I go up there and all of a sudden I started feeling all the things that I had felt. Because you're on for, this campus with all those white kids man. And, and they're like doing and there's these things. And there's the beautiful mountains and there's this like picturesque scenery and all these people having fun. And meanwhile, I'm like in my apartment by myself without enough, without enough money to get on the bus yep. and come home, you know. Yep. And so those feelings of isolation and loneliness and like hunger like I was I was starting to feel hungry yeah and I had just eaten like it was just this yeah, really weird sensory experience that, yeah that like, I mean when my wife met me I weighed 128 pounds ah! I'm not even playing with you <laughs> yeah and now you look at me now yo I weigh 179 you're pounds up. now yeah up. well maybe a little more bulk up than I was hoping to be at this <laughs> point but That's like but real talk like you know, and I remember meeting her and like not being able to afford to like take her to dinner. Yeah. Like, and you know, and she stuck with my broke behind. It's crazy. But like, but then to read, like, it's almost like a full circle kind of feeling, right? And Krishna talks about this in her excerpt, in her like sort of interview that we'll plug in here yeah. a little bit later on. But Krishna talks about how like we've now created this space for educators of color for people of color to kind of come and they, they even have like a small task force on on um student of color retention in the school of education that's important and i'm just thinking and i remember commenting this will be in the interview i'm commenting that man th- this i wish this had been here when i was here because i feel like it would have made for a really different college experience for me like this stuff sticks with you it does you know it's it does. crazy so like that was my week like I revisited my high school experience, yes, and then I revisited my college experience. That's kind of and, a trip. Um, it's a trip, and then going back to this uh, college campus where people have heard of us. Yes, you know. Wow. Um, yeah, kind of it's great. There's actually one cat from people that weren't our former students. I know. They, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh. oh my gosh, it's like it's Munoz. <laughs> um, no, but with this, so that was the other thing. Uh, for those of you DPS listeners, um, you may have seen me in a leap training video. Yes. Um, and so there was one guy from MLK, I think his name was CJ. Yeah. CJ, I'm trying to find you, man, hit us up. Uh, he was dope. But he, he comes up to me, he's like, I would know that voice anywhere. I did a training video and you were teaching. <laughs> <laughs> I know your voice, I know your voice. And that kind of makes me feel a little bit on blast, but at the same, so it's different to like go there, like, and I can afford to park there for yes. a day. Oh, that's and a big deal in I can, Yeah, it's like crazy. Like, I don't have to, like, worry about that fake parking ticket that oh, the man. campus police is oh, going to give man. me. Hey, don't at me, campus police. Don't at us, campus I paid police. those when I graduated, I think. Mark. 
Busters. <laughs> busters. <laughs> Bunch of busters. Um, yeah, so Edu Cutler was there. So, um, like, well, you yeah, keep yeah, talking yeah. about, like, these great, like, excerpts. Let's yeah. get one of them. Let's get it. Oh, you want to play one? Yeah. All right, here we go. This one, uh, so we'll be looking at, we have, we, have, uh, we have kind of a progression of them. Uh, I think what we'll do is, uh, should we get Mikey on here? Yeah, let's hear Mikey. All right, we're going to hear Mikey. So we'll plug Mikey oh, in. Uh, we love you, Mikey. All right, here he is. Yo, it's Hera, here at the Teachers of Color and Allies Summit. We're between sessions uh, once again. Uh, part of the incredible thing you're seeing is making connections with new co-conspirators, but also reconnecting with old ones. I'm not calling you old, Mikey. Uh, I'll take it. Yo, Mikey's here. Uh, Mikey, how you, me and Mikey go way back, like, at least a year, right? Yeah, it's been a little bit. <laughs> it's been a little bit. Uh, so, Mikey, how do you feel about this conference, man? Man, this is great. I don't... I'm oftentimes just surrounded by white folks, white knights, and it's good to <laughs> it's, be surrounded it's by It's like being in the Arctic, the sun never goes down. You never see any darkness. <laughs> right? And educators of color that aren't neo-colonialists. Yeah, for real. Me and Carlos were just talking about people. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got people with the same skin color, but they don't get it. Nah, they don't. They don't. Exactly. I mean, it's a process, right? We go, got to go back and recover, recover the lost ones, right? The prodigal exactly. sons and daughters. Yep. Uh, so, Mikey, it's great to see you up here. Uh, what are you hoping comes out of this work that uh, that we as a community of teachers of color are doing. Um, I'm Get them to the next like educators of color collective lunch, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely educators of color lunch. But yeah, just build our network for edu educators of color, having spaces and people that we can reach out to and know that we've got people that have our back and we are safe and we are creating what we need for the next generation. That's what I want to create. Yeah. That's dope. That's dope. All right, man. Well, I guess it's time for us to go to sessions. Uh, Mikey Carlos, I'll see you on the other side and uh, we'll be in touch. Peace. Peace. Self, I'm worried about all this stuff, and, and and it's almost like I'm treating like my authentic self as almost a, a fault, right? Yeah. This could be a problem if this slips out, then I could go down, or right? something that you have to like put aside or adapt or yeah. or keep on the low, or kind of keep on the low, yeah. It like, and I think you know we've we've talked about this, like when you and I first met. I really felt like I had inadvertently de-racialized myself as a teacher. Yeah. Like, yeah, I could still communicate in Spanish with families. Yeah. And, yeah, I was still using Loteria cards to assign seats. Like, yeah. I was still yeah. doing all of those things. But when it came into... When it came to the classroom and me giving assignments and me assessing kids, it was very much a colonial mindset. It was very much a sense of this is what schooling has always been. This yep. is, and so you need to be it has able to look like to this. function this. And I think that's like, I think that's a, a, a bigger conversation. Like, how do we, how do we prepare? How do we decolonize young people for a colonized world? Right. Yeah. And I and I think that's a real conversation for us to kind of get into. I mean, I but, think. Yeah. I mean, I love that idea. De how do we decolonize young people to survive? I, that's what I'd add. I mean, maybe the, po may colonized world maybe the point is that we decolonize or, the world. That's where I think we get to like, eventually. Is that like, do you remember post-colonial thought? Yes. You remember, like, when we thought that we were post-colonial? Yes. Uh, anyway, go it's ahead. It's kind of like the period <laughs> uh, where we thought we were post-racial. We were post-racial because Barack Obama beat racism, right? except he really didn't. Hey, but he did it. Like, when we got to the post-racial point... Yep. Actually, I saw the most racism, and I'm a kid who grew up in the yeah. South. Uh, yeah. I saw some of the most yeah. blatant racism that I have seen, and it's, I think, rampant yeah. right now It's um, like, in things it's that people incredible. say. And it, 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 it's, 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 I think, moved from microaggressions to all-out aggressions. And yeah. I think, you know, the Trump supporters are like, 
Well, now we can now we can have all out aggression. So yep. That's why I don't understand yep. why they complain about us, uh, quote unquote SJWs. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Critiquing them when they have microaggressions yeah. because yeah. you know you've been doing it. You love yeah. to do it. Yeah, that's your thing, right? Yep. yep. And so I think going back to kind of this thinking about like um, a decolonized teacher. Yeah. Well, then maybe I I need to stop worried about it, right? Yeah. Is if yeah. they're not worried about it. Shoot, I ain't gonna be worried about your yeah. sensitivity <laughs> for and real. how you feel when I call you out. You well, say iron- something racist, that's fine. You got the right. And the irony, you're racist. Now, yeah, and you know the irony now is that um, now there's a call from that side of the aisle for civility. Come on, man. I- I'm gonna keep. Come, key- come gonna- on, man. Exactly. This is a Keyshawn moment. Come, come on, man. man. Um, yeah, so one thing that occurs to me as I think about this, like, first of all, like, if we look at education as a movement, and that's, Educolor, like, promotes that as kind of, uh, the, this was the name of their workshop, yep. not a moment, it's a movement, yes. um, and, um, or, a, or a movement, not a moment, moment. I can't remember yeah, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. which way they had it, um, and so when we think of the educational process as being a movement, then, then what we can start looking at is, like, First of all, I'm trying to decolonize myself every day. Yep. Right? Nope. Every day. Every like, day. Just like Drake. Me and Drake. Every day. Every day. Every day. Um, I'm trying to decolonize myself. And Drake's with, not trying to decolonize himself. He's Let's really not. Honest. He's really not. Let's but yo, there's some, there's some kind of woke Drake, Drake memes, though. Like, it's pretty great. Uh, you leave Drake alone. He loves the Raptors. Um, he Man. makes mediocre music. Um, you know, yeah. Don't add us, Drake. Don't add us. At um, me, Drake. <laughs> I dare you. I, I'm the one that went to the summit. You're the one that's ready to fight. I'm call out rappers. Hashtag call out rappers. Hashtag call out rappers. Okay, keep going. All right. I was okay. about to go He was ready to call out field. a rapper. I was ready to oh, go okay. down left field. So, and we don't have a lot of time, right? Because you got to get back to yeah, your, there's uh, a thing. your youth. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, we're kind of squeezing this in. We're not working within the contract day. We'll yes. be happy to, to yes. uh, we offer. We follow the rules. We do. Um, we've been so, calling <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's what you should start saying. It's like this oh, is I'm colonized, so I'm gonna follow the rules. Exactly. Or I'm I'm trying to decolonize myself. So, so forget your observation. <laughs> and forget forget me having a job too. Um what was I talking about? Oh, so if we look at education as like a movement and we look at Howard Zinn's quote, which is one of my favorite ones, you can't be neutral on a moving train. Yep. Then what we ostensibly are doing is we're not we're not reifying our children and getting them to a point where they can contribute to a global economy. And by the way, that was like the worst selling point in high school. Like, you so you can get, participate so you can in the global. I was like, economy. I don't want to be a part of the global economy as my life. Like, what is that all about? I feel like a what piece is, of a machine. That's how we motivate kids. Yeah, is so you, you get, be ready for, yo, for the global yo, economy. You could be. Oh, I'll be ready for the global yeah. economy. So you know that little washer in your sink? Because I was prevents, worried about the party. Yeah, the I was really worried. About the, party. Priority, but the party was. You yep. told me global economy. Wait, wait, dog, dog. So like, I could be part of a global economy. You could explain exactly. You could explain this to to like kids. Like, okay, you know how you you have a faucet, right? So you know how you turn the knob. No, you don't get to be the knob. Um, you don't get to turn it either. Um, but you know that washer that prevents some of the water from spraying out all over the place? Like That's the water's going to go. That's you. The water's going to go. Where you can't stop the water. The water is just the water, right? Um, so we're, you're going to be like that washer, right, that, that, that keeps the water going where it needs to go, which is into the sink. 
That's what, because I think about being Listen, part of a machine. What if I don't want to be part of a sink? No, you do. You do. Who doesn't want to be part of a sink? <laughs> you grow up. Yo, you know what I am? a little boy. Yo, I'm a garbage disposal. What it, what For real. <laughs> you grow up, you're like, as a little boy, all I wanted to be was part of a sink. Was part of a sink. They, they but that's me. how we sell this so stuff. So I was at a Nuggets game, but now we're off topic. But we'll okay, get back. that's all right. That's but all right. this guy was like, who grows up? He was talking about Gilbert uh, Arenas, who used to play with, uh, was it zero or double zero? Zero, just zero. Single zero. He was like, who? Who grows up being like, when I grow up, I'm going to be zero. That's <laughs> I'm going to be zero. Gilbert Arenas had, he was, he had some issues. You know, he's still talking about that locker room incident. <laughs> I bet. That like that ended his career. I guess he's that probably thinking major. about it all the time. That was major. So if education, this is like the third time I'm trying to make this point. <laughs> if like. The movement. So we have to think about what it is that we're attempting to do yes. within our classroom. Are we looking to produce individuals who will replicate the world as it as it is, or are we looking to to encourage individuals to create a new world when they're out there? And so if the idea is to bust colonialism, then everybody is gonna be a part of that. And like, I think that's, yeah, y'all, I'm politicizing education. Oh my gosh. Um, but like, yeah. You have to do that. It's, I know. It's, Education's not political. No, it's not. It's not. Oh my God. <laughs> if, if one more person says that to me, like for real, I'm going to I'm gonna snap and go off on this podcast. Um, but yeah, and that reminds me of a quote I wrote down during uh, the Educolor session, um, which is the great uh, Khalil Gibran quote. Yes, yes. Um, if it's a despot you would dethrone, see first that his throne erected within you is destroyed. That's right. And it's like, I mean, how many times do we see that? Like, teachers of color, and I think this is what Mikey's kind of getting at, teachers of color, like, we, we it, it's like Busta and Stevie said, we've been through the storm, mm -hmm. right? We come here, and now we have this messianic kind of view of our kids. We're going we're gonna to save all of you. Yep. And, but what we're going to do is we're going to do it our way, and we're going to do it in the way that we had to do it. To, to save you is to make you successful in this system. Yeah. And 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 to make sure that you, you don't have, and, and I think this is where we get to, where I think we're stumbling into controversial territory. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because yeah. I think we stress, uh, you know, in our building, we've been talking about our SPF and stressing Ooh, yeah, our, yeah. our gaps between our students of color and our students from the dominant culture. And I just think that, you know, we've got to really say, well, what is the purpose, right? Because if I am successful uh, on the assessment, the state assessments, that means that I've been colonized, right? Yeah. I've got that yeah. colonized mindset. Now, am I saying I don't want my kids to have skills? Yeah. I want them to be able to read and write and be sophisticated, critical thinkers like yeah. we are, to be able to talk about their ideas. Yeah. I think that's critical. How that looks, how we get them there, and um, the barriers to getting them there yeah, I yeah. think are what we need to genuinely interrogate yeah right and in the end you know I think we get back to this is like uh, to quote common this western way of life ain't native to me yeah right yeah, and so yeah. when I think about when we're educating our kids we are raising black and brown kids in in and schooling them in ways that's contradictory to their ancestral heritage yeah. to the DNA yep. that goes through them, right? No, and we 100%, don't think about things 100%. like, you know, why they are successful at church, why yeah. they don't have problems, why they're leaders in their church, yeah. why they're leaders on their teams, in their communities, why they, um, when they go to- <laughs> Why they do everything their mom says. Everything, <laughs> everything. You know, mom's why like, they, I don't they, know who this kid you're telling why, me about. Why they say school. yes ma'am and no ma'am, yes sir and no sir to the elders in their community. That's right. Um, but not to the elders in their school. That's right. Yeah, there's a reason, for real. Well, and I think like, 
as we sort of think about that, like the decolonizing process, it, it's a daily occurrence. Like, like to me, I, I really want to say this to every educator I know, you are either disrupting systems of domination or you are reinforcing systems That's of domination. Right. And you know what? Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at yourself. Just recognize it, name it for what it is, and then work to address it. Like, I know that I, I am a cis, straight, white male. White male, not white male. <laughs> I was about to say, oh my god. I mean, I mean, like, you know, I got, I got, I, I got European background um, yes. that is immediate, not just as a result of myself, but like, <laughs> I, I'm a cis, straight male yep. who um, enjoys hetero privilege, yep. um, male privilege, and all those kinds of things. And I have to, I have to be willing to address those things mm -hmm. as I'm going through my work. And I'm not, I'm going to mess up sometimes. Um, but like, but we also can't get to this point where like, cause it's funny. I have a friend who's an admin in another school. Yes. He's a friend we have yes, in common. Yes, yes. And like, and one of the funny things that he talks about is how now it becomes like the, I'm a bigger racist Olympics. Like, yes. no, 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 I'm more of a racist than you. you. Cause I, and so now we feel like we're getting some sort of like, like like kudos for being for admitting that we're like racist yes, and yes. we and we reinforce these structures. No, it's not that at all. It's like listen, I did something that I think really marginalizes the young women in my class. I need I need a crew to talk to about that because I don't know how to not do that right now. You know, and I think that's the I think that's what it means to reject neocolonialism um, in the classroom is to address the the real world out there and how we're going to interact differently in the real world. Yeah. Hey, yeah. yo, do you have to go? No. Okay, right, cool, yeah. cool, no. cool, cool. But let's hear another another one of these. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interviews. So, Testimonials. Uh, so next up, um, I'm actually going to throw on uh, Haley and Maya. Uh, Haley would, she's one of our most loyal listeners. Yes. I think she'd not like us to be using her name because she's definitely, so she, uh, she'll identify herself in the clip as a white lady teacher. Yes. Um, so she definitely is, and she does wonderful work with teaching tolerance. Yes. Um, and uh, you know she had this big old like fifty pound like box of stuff that she was bringing up nice. like, like to hand out, um, but she will be the one that is yielding the space to people of color. And she brought one of her students, a young African American woman, oh that's awesome, a high school senior who wants to be a teacher. That's awesome. And so uh, so you'll hear from uh, them. So here right. we go. Yo, I said I'm back. We're at the Teachers of Color and Allies Summit here in Boulder, Colorado. It's October 24th. I am not teaching today, um, and we're on a break. Um, I am here with two individuals, uh, a student from Denver South High School and a teacher from Denver South High School. Uh, so do you want to talk a little bit about what this day has been for you? Yeah, so I know I wanted to go into education before this, but this has really opened my eyes to like the realities of education, especially being a teacher. Of in, in a good way or a bad way? A good, good, okay. great way. <laughs> it's like my eyes are open. Now I don't want to do this. Yeah, in a great way. And it's definitely inspired me to not just be like a teacher, but be a teacher that's proactive. Yes. And also, Ms. Braden has inspired me to do that too. I hear that. Influencing the youth, yeah. teachers of Toka 18. All right. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> well done. So I'm a white lady teacher, <laughs> and I'm here at this Teacher of Color and Allies Summit, um, and I think I'm learning a lot, um, and this sort of space is like very reflective for me um, in making sure that, especially the newer educators that I work with in my building, um, trying to be as supportive as possible um, in a way in which I'm working with people and not for them, yeah. with and for difference is really important. So I've had a great time. Yeah, and don't, don't sell yourself short. I follow your Twitter. You're putting stuff up that is real like every day. Uh, she, she's, a, she's an accomplice, not, not just somebody who's out here. Um, well, thank you for taking the time, and, uh, and hopefully this day continues to be a good day for y'all. Mm -hmm.
So, uh, so what'd you think? They're dope. They're <laughs> yeah, dope. Yeah, especially now Maya. It's interesting because um, she actually remembered me from a soccer camp that I ran. She's a soccer player. Oh wow! Um, at South, Small and so world. we talked a little bit. Uh, Maya, um, if you're listening to this, I'm still a little like salty about how your Hamilton team beat my team twice in the playoffs. You like, gotta get over that. I gotta, but it's you hard. gotta move on. It's hard, man. It, a is but it was some of your like senior class who was on that <laughs> team. So like. Anyway, but but to hear what she had to say was really um, inspiring to me. Yeah, it is. You know, I think. And she's an African American woman. To teacher. hear young young African Americans, young kids of color, saying they want to be a teacher, I think is really important. Especially and 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 to know that she's at the Toka conference and that she's hearing these perspectives, right? Because this would have made me a totally different teacher. Yeah. Right. When I went into the work, I knew that there was a goal, right? To to fight against the oppression that I'd learned about uh, in my undergraduate studies, right? But I did not understand, you know, that I was going to be dealing like to me. It was like you come in and you just teach lessons uh, that are. Based, rooted in critical pedagogy, and that's where you're going to get kids. But what I learned was, no, I've got to like be prepared myself. That's right. To to, to have my armor on, yeah, for and real. go through this fight, and that every step of the way, you know, people yeah. are going to be resisting the ideas that I'm putting forth that I know could be helpful for kids who are like me. Yeah. You know? I think the the thing that... So there's two thoughts I have kind of looking back on my conversation with Haley and Maya. Um, like, I, I think about... I don't know. Like, it's hard to articulate, but, like, I hope that um, being at this summit helps her to feel like she's coming into not just a profession, but into a community. Mm -hmm. Like, just like you, I feel like if I had been an 18-year-old high school senior, now I was trying to avoid teaching. I'm in a, yes. I come from a long yes. line of teachers, yeah. right? Uh, I was trying to avoid teaching. Um, <laughs> but if I, like as a, as a first-year teacher, if I had gone to this before I went to like New Teacher Network, yep. uh, because in New Teacher Network, you get the message very clear, like, there aren't many people of color like coming into this, and all the people of color are from TFA. <laughs> you know, like and like real talk, right? You go to that new teacher network, and you're like, I was like, where are the black folks? At? You're like, when can I get into my classroom? I had to leave. But I wonder, like, like what if we did a like new teacher of color network, right, where we could kind of get together? Because I feel like that really like changes what you see as a community and I'm hoping that young Maya comes has has gone into this saying I'm not just going into a job or a career path I'm actually going into a community and I got all these people all who the are support. here who are like here for me and who want me to succeed and who want me to to be happy in this work the the other thing I thought that was really powerful uh, was what Haley said about you know she teaches at arguably the most diverse school yes. in the city of yes. Denver yep. and she said it's so important for her to remind herself that she is teaching with and not or she's working with, with not for four. anyone yes. and so like and that, and that kind, of, kind of comes back to our conversation about decolonizing our work is that we are doing this together like yeah I get paid either way but like I actually want you to go out and reshape this world that we're living in. It's important for me. It's critical for my children. It's critical for me. Yeah. It's critical for your family. And I support. And what you need. What do you? What do you need? If you're not getting what you feel like you need. Yeah. 
I'm going to get you what you need, yeah. right? And I, I love, I think about the line from my favorite song. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it. If you're a teacher, every teacher needs to listen to this song. Every student. I got my pen out. I got to make sure I know Dead it. prez, they schools. Oh, they schools. Yeah, right? Yeah, At the yeah, end, yeah. And he says, if education ain't taking me where I need to be. And I think it's, uh, you know, M1 is saying this. If education ain't taking me where I need to be, if it's not helping me fix the problem in, in my community, the deals that I, the issues that I'm dealing with, then he says, F day school. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and he says, I love education. Yep. I love education. But school. if it's not giving me what I need, <laughs> yeah. forget it. That's right. And, it, and if it's not uplifting me as a member of my community, yeah. And, that's, and, and that's I absolutely think he goes right. to the point of helping to solve the problems that I'm dealing with. If in my home I'm dealing with abuse, you got to give me a solution to, right. to how right. do I get away from right. that. If right. there is drugs and alcohol Without demonizing that are destroying my community, my community yeah. you got to help me. In a way, like you said, it yeah. doesn't destroy my Absolutely. community. Absolutely. Like, right? without the pathologizing are running who we rampant are. in my community, yeah. you got to help nah, me deal man. with that. <laughs> right. And if you help me deal with that, I promise you, the, I will be way more into education. It's interesting. There's a, it's not like one thing I'm just thinking of is like, I, I listen to the Serial podcast. Yep. And right, this season is really interesting because they're, they're doing every episode from a courthouse in Cleveland. Yeah. And like just a day in the life of a courthouse. And one thing that they're in is like this extremely problematic relationship between law enforcement and the um and the african-american communities like or in in the vicinity uh but it's that kind of thing what kind of attitude are you bringing into my community and you know what i might as a person of color like i, f I feel bad about this sometimes not that much mm -hmm. um <laughs> but i'm always kind of suspicious of of like of white teachers because they come in they want to do this work cool that's great but i want them to know that it's gonna take them. A, it's gonna take them a while to kind of earn their way into mm -hmm. into into my life because, like, I've been through this on both sides. And in my experience, it's never out for me. It, nah, or, it, nah. it hasn't been. It's or, rare. It's rare. It's rare. We got we got our we got our accomplices. We yep. got our co-conspirators. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I mean, Haley. it's incredible. Yeah. 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 And your boy. My boy. Yeah, your boy. Yes. He my boy. Us. He's at that same school. I know. I bet they know each other. I bet you they do. Ask. I bet I, they do. Yeah. I bet they do. Yeah. Um, so one thing that uh, a connection I made. So I found this on the Educolor Twitter page. Yeah. Um, what are you willing to lose to be accomplices? And this was written by Darnell Moore, and it has more to do with being an accomplice for LGBTQ youth. Yep. Um, and so I wanted to say that because it kind of contextualizes the rest of the quote. What are you willing to do? What are we? What are you willing to lose to be accomplices for LGBTQ youth? There is no time to play the ally game. Mm -hmm. I don't want no cheap love. That's it. That's <laughs> it. That's the truth. It's just. What am I willing to do? So right. And I think about this idea of like, um, and I think it, it kind of went around like thinking about. Uh, and they were talking about allies, but I see this as an accomplice. Uh, 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 accomplice. It's been a long day, y'all. Uh, it's been uh, a long uh, day. Uh, a a co-conspirator. Yo, words are hard. A co-conspirator. <laughs> How's see. that? That's not even easier to say. <laughs> For me, it is. Okay. Well, shoot, I'm not going yeah. back to that other word. But yeah. that co-conspirator, um, someone told me they ask. They ask, you know, they say, what do you need? What do you need for me to do in this situation? So, like, I'll give the example. Like, um, they were talking about being with female friends in crowded spaces where there's lots of men kind of mm. acting crazy. Oh, and they're yeah. like, what do you need from me to help you be feel more safe, right? How can I help you, right? Uh -huh. Is that me? You want me making sure I'm walking behind you so hands, people don't get handsy, right? Things yeah. like that. 
what do you need for me to do to support you? Right. And I think that's the difference of a co-conspirator, right? Yeah. Is because they're asking, and I think this goes to Haley's point, working with. Yeah. Because working with says, I acknowledge that your needs are different. Yeah. What do you need from me yeah. to help you? And, and you know what? You know what I, I also think about. Like th- this comes up a lot in educational circles. I, this hasn't been part of the conversation where we work now. But at my last school, I remember somebody saying, asking me that same kind of question. Like, what do I need in order for you to feel safe? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, safe. I can't remember a time in my life that I felt, felt safe, safe as a brown skinned yep, man, you yep. know, except for in my community. At home. Like at with home. With my family. With my family, <laughs> with like people in my community, I feel safer yes, with them. Yes. But I'm kind of like, I'm not trying to feel safe. I don't need someone to make me feel safe. I need somebody who's going to fight with me. Yes. Like, because like, cause you're either going to watch me engage in this battle by myself, yep. or you're going to roll up your sleeves and you're going to engage with me. But, you know, and I, I, I think that's really important. But I think at times, too, sometimes it's just making sure that I'm safe. Yeah, yeah, that's that, true. That, I, that my body is protected. Nah, yeah. Right? Because I think we forget about those aspects of it, right? Um, but I think you, you bring up the good point, yeah. too. Is like You're right, you're right. How though. do we make sure that, you know, that you're really willing to fight with yeah, me, right? Yeah. And sometimes to make me feel safe. You gotta fight. Yeah, you gotta go I in. Can't and be, you might have to call out exactly. some people. You might have to lose some friendships. I, you, you might. Hey, man, yeah. stop saying that. Yeah, I'm tired of hearing you say yeah, that. Exactly. I'm tired of hearing you say it yep. over and over. Yep. You gotta stop saying that around yep. me. Or yep. else, hey, we gonna catch the hands. Yeah, <laughs> you gonna catch those hands. Yeah, catch those hands. that's right. Because we out here. Right. Hey, do you have to go? Why do you keep asking me? Do I don't know, man. I know. I want you to. Leave. I want you to. Oh, I, want you, I want you. I want you to. Know, I want you to not feel like you have to stay here. <laughs> I feel like that was telling me to leave. Okay, no, I'm not. I'm not. Let's so get into another. We want to do another one. Yeah, but I'm right. getting closer. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. All right. All right. I'm gonna hit pause. All right. Yo, it's Hedda. I'm here. Uh, up here in Boulder, the Teachers of Color uh, and Allies Summit, and I'm here with Carlos Valdez, uh, teacher from Aurora Public Schools. Uh, Carlos, how are you? Uh, how are you finding this conference that we're at today, man? So I've gone to this conference for two years before, and I felt good um, after those two years. But yeah, this year, I feel like we're really calling some shit out. Yeah, um, we're really focusing on the effect that the school system is having on our students yep. uh, the power dynamics that play out in the education system yeah. we had a dope uh, keynote speaker who yeah. really yeah. kicked us off called, Mr. called Mr. out Mr. a Wilson. lot of yep, yes. yep, Jose called out yep. a lot of shit um, yeah. and I can't wait right now we just uh, we just broke from lunch and we're about to head out um, have our Breakout sessions. And Project Voice was just up there talking about school. Oh dress yeah, Project codes. Voice. Pro- Hit them up, Project Voice. They're dope. They are oh, yep, dope. Yep, doing good work out in, out in Denver. Yeah. But, yo, calling out that dress code, that is real important for us as, as yeah, educators. For real. We need to do more to uplift the voices of students yep. around that uh, issue. Yeah. All right, Carlos. Thank you very much. Looking forward to seeing you uh, out here, like here and in the future, man. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you. Need me. Um, 
Uh, but they do have some good But stuff. whenever they have, like, one, <laughs> like, word of profanity in an 80-minute show, like, they have to put that it was explicit. Oh, that's hard coming from England, because I feel like the English they cuss a lot. a lot. They cuss a lot. They, they cuss a lot. But they sound so nice when they do it. They do. So, so, so what do you think about Carlos? I love what he was saying about the dress code for students, um, but really, I like, the movement, like you said, that there's a building uh, momentum, I feel like, where, where more and more of these issues are emerging, kids are being able to talk about them, kids are being encouraged to use their voice. That, that's him, by the way, on the ground. There's the homie. Yeah, there he is. But right yeah, there. But, yeah, but I love when he says, you know, this issue of st- school dress codes. I think that's a great place to start with helping yeah. to liberate kids. Yeah. You know, helping them understand the codes that are put on them and why they're put on them. Yeah. Like this idea of you can't sag your pants which I think is going away right because kids are just doing it less so it's becoming less of an issue but when I first started teaching that was the number one thing wasn't there a song there was a song that came out too like pull your pants up pants on the ground pants Pants on the ground it wasn't really a song I think it was like a thing from American Idol okay man it was you know and and I I think we could look at that as a victory right that um, that what we in education have been convinced of because of kids sort of often passive resistance to these policies yes. is that if we have these draconian dress codes that is all we're going to be talking about that's it we won't be talking about anything else dress code and, yeah exactly and um i mean i'll say some some of the fellas with their with their sagging pants because we see a little bit of it around here like i i mean i'm like i don't I don't know why you want to be like that, but whatever. Whatever. Like, whatever. It does it, it somehow it does not with hurt your ability me. to learn? It does not hurt me. It, it only interferes. It. it interferes with this child's ability to run. Yeah, um, that's, I, I used to love to watch them cross It's actually the sort of funny. I used to love to They're watch They're trying to run. <laughs> I was doing my impression, y'all. Of y'all seen it. Y'all seen them yeah. holding them pants up. Yep, trying trying to, to, and that's what I think it, has it is, caused it. It is impressive that they can run at that speed. Like with their hands occupied, holding up their pants, with like a backpack on and all that kind of stuff. It's impressive. Hey, you can still get the bus. Still get the still bus. Still get the bus. Still get there. That's still impressive. Still get there. Yeah. But, no, I like Carlos too, and I think um, I think one of the things he was really fired up because I think when you're in an environment of people who are aspiring to be more conscious and aspiring to be an empowering force, like I think I think you get caught up, and that's what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of it. When you get excited about it, passionate, I yeah. think we're just like our students. Yep. When there's something that, like, I hear about or I'm learning about that I'm like, that's all I can think about. Yep. Like, and it sounds there's like no doubt. this conference was that, you know. It reminds me, it sounds like similar to J4J, where it's just really people who were inspiring yeah. and, and, and connecting and, and doing the work, which makes you say – all right, now I'm rejuvenated. Let me go back and get back into this. Yeah, for right? sure. So, so we've so we've got um, we've made a lot of connections through it, and that's what that's one thing that I'm really excited about because I think that as this community of teachers of color begins to sort of crystallize and come together, um, I'm I'm just super excited for. Um, you know, for the opportunity to get connected and maybe air some of these stories and get, yeah. and get some stories out there. Um, that's one thing we're, we've been trying to do these three years is uh, it's been three years almost three since years. Our, since we did our first one, that's crazy. which is gone, which we lost. But um, that's all right. I think so. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. If any of y'all have a bootleg, a bootleg copy, pass it on book from the bootleg man. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I think that that's one thing that we're hoping is that we can contribute to a vibrant community of educators of color. Yeah, because I think the first step, you know, like we've always said, is it's cathartic, it's therapeutic. Yeah. It's just to 
talk about so be it. around each because, other. Because like, I think, you know, as uh, – who was our first interview that we listened to? First Brenda, interview was Brenda. Right? And Brenda, you know, as her point is, is like I'm not – it's not me. I'm not the problem, yeah. right? There's yeah. a bigger problem that people aren't willing to address. It's not me. Yeah. I'm okay, right? And I'm actually seeing more of the reality of the situation than other people who dismiss me, who brush me off as extreme. I see more of the reality of what's going on. That's right. Right? That's right. I understand this system uh, in a way, in a sharp, if you quote one of my favorite professors from college, in a sharp and sophisticated manner. <laughs> I like that. Right? Yeah. I've yeah. got that understanding at a high level so I can help to lead other people out of the darkness. Yeah. Right? And that's where I think we are is is that we are kind of in a darkness. We're, we're kind of, you know, have these clouds of colonialism and capitalism and imperialism over us that keeps us from seeing the sunshine, mm -hmm. which is the brightness of our kids, of our community. It's the brightness and the light that we see when you come to the community, when you go to the neighborhood, when you see the kids being their authentic self. And, you know, I would just say our goal is to clear, you know, uh, to help people see clearly now because... The rain. The rain is gone. Oh my God! Gone. I knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> I saw it coming. I saw it coming. <laughs> well, and and uh, and I'll kind of close that part with uh, something that um, Julian and Jose said at um, in their Educolor session um, is that they're not seeking light; they're seeking fire. You know, so what what happens to the fog? It burns off. That's right. right? It doesn't just fade, no. and it, it like sun comes up, and it's still there, right? Yep. So, but it burns it off, and and that's what we want. We want we want to kindle fire, right? More than we want to shine light. Cause, yes, because light, light comes from fire. I, I fire burns everything down. Fire burns everything down. And cleanses. Yeah. Oh, that was that, that was my favorite thing. So, uh, so we, burn it down. So burn it down. <laughs> say it, burn it down now. Oh, the the funny thing is, so our friend, our mutual friend Sarah, um, like that's somebody that me and Carlos know in common, and he's like, she she is so down. He's like, I'll burn anything down with her. <laughs> we oh, let's pause. We, uh, the two dope teachers, do not advocate arson or arson burning, or things, burning down. things down. They we advocate it's uh, problematic. They, figurative burning down yes, of a system. Literal burning down happened in the Bronx at one point, and that had a problematic outcome. <laughs> uh, although hip hop was born, um, but I'm not saying I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it's okay. <laughs> I'm not saying it's wrong. <laughs> That's thank, thank you for the disclaimer. So I've only eaten a jelly donut today, so I'm kind of yes. losing my uh, mind. Are you, where, is, where are you is at? It, um, it's I'm I'm. It, now it's getting closer. You're up against it. For time to leave. You're up against it. Yes. Okay, so the final um, the final comment we have is from Krishna, who did everything she could to not be identified as an organizer yes. of this. Um, but everybody I talked to, Krishna, was like, you need to talk to Krishna. She, like, did this whole thing, and she Shout is our out. leader. Shout out. And so, like, to see... A, uh, a brown-skinned woman like taking you this leadership. You should be humble because we yeah. know if it was a white man doing it, he'd be, he'd be it, like, it "This is been my average. This is and my. not that great." And he would have been like, "I did amazing <laughs> stuff. I put this together in an hour and a half. Yeah, uh, I found this guy on the corner. <laughs> yep, and uh, you know he did a thing." Man. What does that mean? There's some people going to be offended by that. I hope not. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I hope so, but I hope not. Um, so that so that's what we have uh, next. And um, yeah, here we go. 
Hey, it's Hera. I'm here at the Teacher of Color and Allies Conference up in Boulder, uh, 2018. Uh, the day is over. Uh, people are packing up. People are lingering because we don't really want to be away from each other. This is most people of color we've probably been around in our professions in a while. And, uh, and I'm standing here with Krishna, uh, who won't take credit as an organizer of this whole effort, but I'm told, Krishna, that you have had a huge role in this. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how you feel like the event went today. I am so proud of the opportunity to help create this this forum where teachers can come and, and engage in some community, I think collective healing on some levels, and uh, really identify those key questions that we need to talk through in order to um, collectively move forward in, in creating some systemic change, as well as uh, in finding the things that we need to do for ourselves to continue to be healthy and successful. Yeah, most careers. definitely. Um, so the, the summit's been going on since the early 2000s. Um, I'm showing my age by saying, yeah, early 2000s, because we're not there anymore. Um, talk about why, why do you feel this is such a priority, such an important thing for, um, for the University of Colorado to put on, but also in your capacity as, as a faculty here? Sure. There are so few spaces in general where a uh, majority of people who identify as people of color can come together and talk through shared experiences without the uh, burden of, of always explaining um, step by step or yeah. piece by piece those experiences yeah. to people that, That's actually share. the first thing that came to mind for me. I was like, wait, I can say things and people don't, they're not confused by them. <laughs> right. And so for uh, an intellectual activist community um, like this to be able to come together um, under the roof of a university that uh, for all of the growth that we still have yet to do um, is really promoted to addressing some of the systemic equities in college access, in who we are recruiting into teaching programs and then um, releasing into teaching professions and then uh, making sure that once those folks are in these positions, it's not just um, viewed as, all right, we have diversified the teacher population. What kinds of resources, what kinds of professional development and access to community um, can leaders like our organization provide? And, and I would actually say not provide, but cultivate with yeah. members of our community. We have uh, members of many different school boards, um, board members from the School of Ed on our advisory board yeah. um, to help determine what programming we offer, the focus of the conference, um, working through um, difficult conversations like what is the role of the A in the teacher of color and allies. Right, summer, right. Um, where we know when we introduce whiteness into spaces, sometimes that whiteness can be often and overwhelming yeah. um, and really undermine some of the conversations that, that need to be placed sure. front and center. So, um, why it's so important for me in this role, my primary role here in the School of Education is Director of Diversity Recruitment and Retention. Yeah. So I support our communities of undergraduate students who come to the School of Education from groups that are underrepresented both in higher education and in teaching professions. Yeah. So for this role to be something that um, we center here in the School of Education, or for this um, event to be something that we center in the School of Education, not only shows our current students that we support them and want to provide resources that help them to um, engage in these conversations that they may not have access to in other um, places, yep. but it also continues to 
affirm for our alum and for people who may have graduated from programs that aren't in our school that this is a commitment of ours that we devote resources to, that uh, the, the, the labor and the minds that put this together in the School of Education um, with our community partners and our district partners um, really want to prioritize this as, as um, not a supplemental space, not something that is done in addition to professional development yeah. for teachers, but really as um, the epicenter of, of what needs to be happening in terms of sure. talking about um, revolutionizing teaching and, yeah. and working through some of the uh, challenges that teachers face. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm an alum of CU Boulder. Um, I was here in the 90s. I like to joke with my students that, you know, um, that, uh, you know, I was here before college was like a thing, really. Um, <laughs> that's how old I am. But I think um, when, when I think about the, um, what you just said about, about the support systems, the kind of legitimization of teacher of color, educator of color, activist of color spaces, um, I think my experience would have been really different um, had you been in this position uh, when I was a college student. And, um, you know, we think about how, like, for communities of color, just getting to college um, is tough, and then there's all these things you have to contend with once you're here.